Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. and welcome to Under Consultation, the episode-by-episode podcast-type situation through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master slash Side Quests, while we wait until we get to Series 7. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, obscure one minute and in your ears the next. And I am Ash Versus, a very amusing podcast host with lots of references to other podcasts. Jam that jam. (laughs) Never heard that one. This is our second little side venture. You uh, brilliantly took the lead last week uh, on the N64 launch because I was uh, sadly unavailable. Um, and I was trying to, like, I-, I couldn't quite ebb your style of the intro as you sort of described this as a, di- a Dominic Diamond Mind Palace sidescape or uh, along those sorts of words. I mean, I was just thinking, we're in the void between Series 6 and Series 7, and of course Series 7 starts, we're in a weird dreamscape. Dominic Diamond has been out on the lash, and now he's on the sofa, and he's having 40 winks and whatnot, and we're kind of, Series 7 occurs in that dreamscape. So, yeah, I'll be honest, I actually can't remember exactly what I said last week. I edited that podcast, and then I sent over that rough edit to you, and I've, I've no idea. That podcast last week was my own personal masterclass in oh shit i've got to wing this because <laughs> i found out what like an hour before we were due to record that you'd be it, unable it to might make have it have been less than that yeah it was it was spicy but, uh, but it's it very very, very good well. to have you back well it's, it's i'm glad to be back and i'm glad to be able to to be here to do this as well but i thought you, you and cliff did an excellent job on, on last week's episode uh, and this is our second side venture before next week's oh baby ucp live 2.0 audio gets dropped then it will be the wrap-up episode before we head off to paradise island for series seven the series that should not have been 
Yes, our very own veritable Love Island. Mm. Will we have our Will we have our own Girl Fridays for the records, or is it just going to be? Or are you my Girl Friday for the records? I mean, I don't put out that easily, mate. Well, I mean, you're the one who's got the hair, and I've got I've got the nice balding goatee visage. So I'm I'm very much the Dominic Diamond of this duo, and you're the prettier one. So it makes sense for you to be that one. I mean, flattery will get you everywhere, but as I've got long hair and a goatee, does that mean I am my own Girl Friday? <laughs> or perhaps <laughs> you're your own, and you're also your own Kirk Ewing as well. Perhaps just a bit of lipstick on the hand, and it'll be fine. But it's funny you should mention Under Consultation Live too, because to peel back the curtain. In 48 hours from now, Under Consultation Live 2.0 will be probably mostly finished. We are we are right on the cusp of it coming. So if this episode sounds a little bit weird and I sound a little bit scatterbrained, it's because there are 500,000 things running through my head right now. Got to do that live show and I'm sure it'll be all right on the night. I'm so, I'm, I, get to, I get to say that. I get to say that now because we're, we're doing this with pre-sight. It'll be all right on the night, and by that I mean a collection of cock-ups where you stand there with a clipboard while I lose my f***ing mind. Sorry, I can wing it. But anyway, this <laughs> is the side venture where we're going to look at a VHS that we've actually had on a back burner for a little while. You know, we like we like to do our little in-between episodes uh, between seasons anyway. And I, this is a VHS that I did not see in context. I did not see it at the time, but I discovered it through Chris Scullion, Tired Old Hacks, VHS preservation project that he did many, many moons ago. And this was one of the VHSs that he loaded up. This was a UK exclusive promo. And while it is called a Super Mario All-Stars VHS, and it's a Super Mario All-Stars promo, it's actually more of an encompassing promo for the SNES. Like it's there's a bit on Mario All-Stars, but there's like way more on Nigel Mansell's racing and then reviews of some other uh, SNES games. There is an inordinate amount of time given over to Nigel Mansell's racing. I think about a third of the video overall is given over to Nigel Mansell's racing, which is very, very weird. And yet, yeah, as Chris Scullion says, this was put together to promote its Super Mario All-Stars game. And in fairness, Mario does feature quite prominently, and we do get a nice selection of tips and cheats Mario All-Stars, although cheats in Bucky O'Hare is, it's more little hacks and exploits. Or That's it, yeah. how to actually get through the level. So like, while you know, it's exciting from one aspect of it, we get to see some lovely in-context thoughts and views from the world of Nintendo, no less, about these Nintendo properties, as well as the making of Nigel Mansell's racing. It is hosted by none other than Red Dwarf's Craig Charles. Right then, thrill seekers, here we go. We've got some amazing insider information for you game wizards. Not off. We've got reviews of the latest games and what the experts think of those games. We've got a visit to Hotline City and what it all means. The Mario story, where, why and how did a little Italian with a moustache become a worldwide superstar. We've got tips and tricks on the latest software and we get to the bottom of how the games writers invent a Super Nintendo game. And we look at some of the excellent gear that you can get for your Super Nintendo. But first, let's get the show on the road with... The Mario Story. Buongiorno. 
prego, dicono. Yes, we are indeed thrill seekers, and this is indeed Craig Charles. This is Craig Charles probably sometime between Series 5 and 6, certainly around the time of Series 6, because Series 6 was 1993, like this video. And not that I want to say Nintendo UK were producing this on the cheap, but that looks a lot like some of the flats from the set of Red Dwarf. And indeed, the lighting from the set of Red Dwarf. I mean, I genuinely think they just went, can we borrow some of your set pieces for the day and Craig when he's not in rehearsals and we'll nip off and film this bit. There's a particularly a bit later on when he's walking through like a smoke-filled like gas area thing and it proper looks like a set from Red Dwarf. Or Quasar. Or, yeah, well, yeah, which is probably what it more likely is. But Quasar was actually used in one Red Dwarf episode, so could be both. However, my big takeaway from the opening of this is that Craig Charles, while a very original man, is also a big rip-off artist because he rips off Cliff Foster right at the start of this, talking about his amazing insider information. His amazing insider information, all of which comes directly to him via autocue. <laughs> Not off. This is such a weird... This is such a weird promotional video, and this is very much... Craig Charles in the same role that he was brought in to fulfill on Ghostwatch back in 1992. Now, that was a drama presenting itself as a reality. But in that, Craig's like, you know, I was brought in to be a bit wacky, a bit fun, you know, push the envelope a bit, be a bit insensitive. And this is Craig, like, as he says himself, in your face. He doesn't, I think, really understand or care what he's selling but he sells it with conviction. He is always trying. And the thing that I love about this VHS is, yeah, and we actually had this with the DKC one as well. We did the Donkey Kong Country uh, VHS back in series four. This feels like we're, this is the last period of time, the last generation of consoles where these sorts of promotional videos were made. Because when we got to the PlayStation and the Saturn, uh, and actually, you know, the N64 as well, like the VHSs that were sort of released around those to promote them, it was really just clips of the games set to music. And it would just be a 18 minute video. And it's here's six minutes worth of Wipeout. Here is six minutes worth of Ridge Racer. Here's six minutes worth of Battle Arena Toshinden. Here's six minutes worth of another game. Sega Saturn ones uh, were very similar as well. And so I kind of miss and I'm very nostalgic for this style of promo video where you have a host and that host goes to places and actually tells you about the games as opposed to it just being a selection of video clips from a said game. I, I like that it's got a framing device that that they've basically gone, okay, Craig Charles is up in this big red spaceship. It's a big red N. It's a big red N. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's, uh, it dwarfs the planet it's near. Wink, wink, yeah. And clearly Craig was booked for this because he was known as a presenter and a host and someone liked Red Dwarf because they were like, oh, we're going to do it on a spaceship because space is cool, isn't it? Who could we get to do that? Buzz Aldrin? Hmm, bit out of our price range. Uh, what about Patrick Moore? No, contractual obligations. Oh, okay. What about that Craig Charles guy? Sure, we'll get Craig Charles. Can we afford for him to do the voiceovers as well? Oh, God, no. We'll just get him for a couple of days on set and one location visit. I was going to say, if, if this is a full day's worth of, of shooting, at, at most, he might have actually got this cracked out in an afternoon, depending on how close, uh, that you know, because for all we know, 
the the Nintendo office that they visited was also the location that they used to film this opening and the scene we get with him later on. I mean, technically, the Nintendo HQ headquarters was in Portsmouth, and that's where the call center was as well. So if they'd been filming, it may, may have been a separate day for the location shoot or a separate afternoon, if you will. Depends what the traffic was like on the motorway. Yeah, it's it's. I, I like it as a uh, as a gimmick that you've got Craig Charles up in this big red n spaceship and then he like teleports down to the the hotliner office but before that you know he goes through what we've got coming up in this vhs which is games impressions of those games from experts the mario story tips and cheats and we'll find out how nintendo make games for the super nintendo as well as some gear you can buy but we kick things off with the Mario story. Mario, the most famous plumber of all time, actually started life as a carpenter who had lost his girlfriend to a gorilla in the 1980 game Donkey Kong. He was such a success that Japanese video game programmer Shigeru Miyamoto decided to make him the hero of a new two-player game called Mario Brothers. Mario joined with his younger brother Luigi and the rest is history. The follow-up game, Super Mario Brothers, sold over 43 million cars worldwide and Mario overtook long-established characters like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck in popularity. His star has been rising ever since. As he's gained his new powers, explored even stranger worlds and conquered even more grotesque enemies. Mario even took to the skies in Super Mario Bros. 3 and swam like a fish in his first 16-bit adventure, Super Mario World. Ever versatile, Mario has also proved himself a wizard behind the wheel in the amazing Super Mario Kart. Not satisfied with his gaming adventures, our intrepid Brooklyn plumber has become a film star of his very own in Super Mario Bros. the Movie. To mark the new stardom, Nintendo have released the Mario game to end them all, Mario All-Stars, so that now you can relive every slip into danger, every hidden escape, and every moment of glory in Mario's long history. Yes. Quite a potted revisionist and occasionally completely inaccurate version of the Mario story. Yeah, so I think the... Big thing from this is, you know, it it tells you the story of he started life as a carpenter, saved a princess from Donkey Kong, and then is it he says Miyamoto or it, basically he gets the pronunciation of Miyamoto's ro- name wrong? Yeah, which I think is, uh, to, in 1993, I think that is completely understandable. And then they say that Miyamoto put him into Mario Brothers, and then that was so successful he got another game called Super Mario Brothers. Problem is, as they show when they're talking about Mario Brothers, I'm assuming they're talking about the arcade game Mario Brothers. They're showing clips of Super Mario Brothers. So then, when they're talking about the sequel and they're talking about Super Mario Brothers, they're instead showing footage of Super Mario Brothers Two, and then they jump forward to Mario Brothers Three, and then they talk about Mario World, where Mario gets to swim like a fish, and they show a clip, except the clip is of the frog suit from Mario Brothers Three. And then they show Mario Kart, and then they talk about the Mario Brothers movie. And guess what, Luke? They don't show any of the Mario Brothers movie. They show some animated skits, also probably from a promotional video. Bob Hoskins is completely absent from this video. Yeah, all the animation stuff is from the Japanese advert for Super Mario All-Stars or Super Mario Brothers Collection. Ladies and gentlemen, 
And it's, I think it's awesome because it is that the advert itself is all of the Mario, the, the all stars of Super Mario Brothers arriving at the premiere of Super Mario Brothers collection. It's, and it's beautiful animation as well. And when I say it's beautiful animation, it's not animated particularly well. It's not like TMS did this or anything like that, not even Dong Yang, but it is that gorgeous early 90s, that Super Nintendo Mario style that I love like when I think like the, the the Super Nintendo box that I've got and it's got that style of Mario on it that style of Luigi on it that's when I think of Mario those are the designs I tend to lean towards and arguably it looks better than anything in the actual Mario Brothers movie <laughs> that is a lie and I will defend that movie until the day I die but I like that we got to talk about uh, you know Super Mario Kart a little bit in here we actually get it a little bit uh, more in, in this video and I also like the fact they talked about the movie because Nintendo weren't exactly proud of the 1993 having said that I mean this probably this would have come out if not before only just slightly after the Mario Brothers movie would have been officially released because that was released in 93 but even by that point I think Nintendo had decided they were quite embarrassed by the movie they they even considered hiding it they were going to Roger Corman Fantastic Four it and just hide it in a vault that so no one would ever see it it would just become this thing of myth can you imagine I mean consider what happened uh consider what happened with the Batwoman movie can you imagine if the same fate had befallen it and much like I imagine will happen with the Bat movie 15 years down the line it will emerge can you imagine people just waiting 15 years and then finally seeing the Hoskins Mario movie we'd have just had like stills that were taken from when the new york times or the la times went to do a set visit and you know stories from people who worked on it because bob hoskins would have probably talked about how much he hated doing it or john leguizamo would have still talked about how he spent the whole time he was on set drunk and so we would have just had those stories it would have been like the fantastic four the roger corman fantastic four movie it would have just been this thing of legends that someone would have had a bootleg version of at a comic-con in 1998 that you've been able to buy on VHS for 50 quid. And then that would have been copied to another VHS, then copied to another VHS, and it sort of spreads like wildfire from there. But we do get the thing that the title of the video says they're here to sell. It's Super Mario All-Stars, the compilation that came out in 1993 featuring Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, a.k.a. Super Mario Brothers 2 from Japan, Super Mario Brothers 2, a.k.a. a reskinned Japanese game, and Super Mario Bros. 3, all with souped-up 16-bit graphics, souped-up sound, souped-up music, and there are entire websites dedicated to all the microphysics differences between the games, to the point where, as much as I love my research, Luke, I tried reading some of those sites and I fell into a coma. They are quite detailed. Um, it's a lot like when you're watching people run the game and you know they will talk about the, the minutiae between running super mario brothers 3 on the nes or running super mario brothers 3 on super mario all-stars and it is it's interesting to a degree but it's not uh, it's it is not interesting enough for me to dive too far into it's a rabbit hole like i i joked about you know going into a coma but i did spend quite a bit of time on some of those sites and i realized that i was just i don't know doom scrolling is the wrong phrase but I was just compulsively scrolling and just like, oh, I need to go do something else. And this wasn't even for this episode. This was back when we first talked about Super Mario All-Stars. 
and just all the differences. But I will say that I think the cartridge, not this cartridge, but the cartridge that combines Mario, Mario 2, Lost Levels 3 and World is probably one of the best all-round cartridges for the Super Nintendo because you have got a year's worth of games there. Absolutely. That's that's the version of the Super Nintendo I have. My one I bought very much secondhand many, many moons later is the Super Mario All-Stars Plus World bundle that was sold for $99.99. And it's great because you just get so much from it. And I will just say the interscenes are very Games Master. They really, really are. This, this feels very much Games Master Series 2, kind of. Yeah, it, yeah. it's got a lot of, like, cha-chung, cha-chung. You're right, it is very Games Master. And that's actually not the first time that we'll get to mention Games Master in this episode. No, Games Master does get a bit of lip service in this as being quite a prestigious thing. As little side note, and... I guess some of you, by the time you hear this, will have actually seen us at Under Consultation Live 2.0. Purely by accident, the theming I've used for the graphics that will be on screen at UCP Live 2.0 are actually quite similar to this. And it is a pure coincidence because I'd started work on those before you suggested we do this. Bravo ski, Mario ski. He's a bit like me, you know. Obscurity one minute, in your living rooms the next. My name's Craig Charles, brought to you live by Nintendo. But the question I'd like to ask is, what about all those new exciting games waiting to be played? The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Venture back to Hyrule and an age of magic and heroes. The predecessors of Link and Zelda face monsters on the march when a menacing magician takes over the kingdom. Only you can prevent his evil plot from shattering the land of Hyrule. In your quest, you will venture into twisting mazes, dungeons, palaces, and shadowy forests. Test your metal with mighty swords and magical weapons, or heft a boulder and hurl it at your enemies. If the going gets tough, dive into a river. You can swim to escape. Learn powerful spells, locate magic artifacts, and solve the mysteries of the evil magician and the hidden realm of Hyrule. Its secrets await you. Now they say these are new games, and I'm like, whoa, 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 1992. Yeah, I was like, of these games, Star Wing is probably the most new of them. The rest of these are like, you know, launch titles more or less. You know, series two, series two era Games Master, and it's. I, I think it's curious that we've also got like reviews of them. In in the oddest part of this, because. What we have got here are previews. I don't know what the word is. Basically, it's a look at games that you can play for your Nintendo that come with reviews. However, later in this VHS, there are reviews of games that don't have review scores with them. But these bits do. And there is another bit that just makes no sense, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But of course, Luke, reviews, I mean, this may be an official Nintendo video, but these reviews are going to be completely impartial and straight down the middle, aren't they? It's, Chris Scullion even talks about this on the, because he provides like a, a commentary track as well as part of his VHS preservation project. And he talks in there, he's like, it's, I suppose it's a bit rich of me to kind of, you know, talk about how this is a official Nintendo product that's reviewing Nintendo games when I wrote for official Nintendo magazine for six years that was reviewing Nintendo games. But I feel like Scullion sort of argues that that he, you know, didn't have any form of bias there. They reviewed the games fairly and squarely. 
But this here, you know, Legend of Zelda, in some ways you can't argue with it though. Graphics 97, Sound 94, Gameplay 98, Value 98. Those are very, very high scores. But it is also a link to the past, which is very, very good. I would say the balance of scores, so 97 and then 3 below 94, then 4 above 98. If you knocked it down a few notches, so maybe let's see... um, If you knocked it down four, so graphics 93, sound 90, gameplay 94, value 94. That's actually, that's a score that I would not be surprised to see in an unofficial magazine capacity. If you knocked it down even further and maybe you had sound 89, I'd say that's actually being a little bit harsh. I think the music and the sound in Zelda is great. It's got one of the most iconic scores for me of the 16-bit era. But it does make me laugh that they're just like, this game is amazing. We're going to review it. Of course, 98%. And I also love that the guy they've got doing the rest of the voiceover, they even add echo to his voice to make it sound more epic. He still sounds like he's reading a train timetable. I was trying to work out whether they'd add that on for like, you know, to try and jazz him up a little bit or like, because they really ramp it up in Starwing, the Starwing review to try and make it like, He's in space. Or whether it was, with, and the same thing they do with the, the review section later on when they really jazz up the reviewers through some funky little video editing. But we'll get to that when we get to it. To be honest, I was so distracted during this review portion or preview portion, whatever you want to call it, because whoever they got capturing the footage is not great at the game, but I don't hold that against it. What I hold against more is that all of the audio they captured is when you're on low health. So the entirety of this section is soundtracked by that you get when you are on one health or less on Link to the Past. It's mad distracting. And yeah, the footage is not great. Like I've certainly seen better promo footage of this game, but maybe it more accurately represents how the average age buyer at the time would be playing it i mean i'll hold up my hands i started playing a link to the past recently it was um just after i came to see you at christmas i started playing it again on the way back on my little handheld and partly because i wasn't used to the handheld and partly because i was kind of like standing on a train oh i died a lot more early in that game than i expected to oh yeah you hear a lot of that uh, as you're playing through the game so i hold it like no ill will but this is also an official nintendo product that was put out by nintendo i just feel that maybe they wanted to try a bit harder on that aspect of it um also as another note from scullion about this bit this section is uh, captured in 30 frames a second which is why link keeps disappearing when he gets hit and he gets hit a lot in all of this yeah we've had that before when we've been covering both games master and i think when we looked at bad influence which is where sprites disappear completely because the refresh rate does not match up with what was being put on television. Yeah, it's missing like every other frame. And because of that, the sprite just completely disappears. Super Mario Kart. This is a split screen, one or two player go-kart racing game in which you and either the computer or another player take the part of the Mario Brothers characters in a one-off race or as part of a championship. Those of you familiar with all of the Mario games will notice that the tracks are made up of different scenes from previous games such as castles and ice levels. You can also have great fun with the battle mode, in which two players play a form of bumper cars in order to burst one of the three balloons attached to the cart. 
this is one of the best racing games ever and definitely not to be missed. But we move on to the next hot title that you should play. It's a little game, you might have heard of it, it's called Super Mario Kart. And they are not uh, beating around the bush with how much they like this one, calling it one of the best racing games ever. Bearing in mind that a large portion of this is set around another racing game. The scores are actually a little bit more realistic for this one. They run down the basics of the game and then the review scores flash up. They are not acknowledged in the voiceover anywhere, but it gets graphics 91, sound 88, a DeLorean, gameplay 96 and value 92. And I look at that and I'm thinking, that's actually fair. Don't get me wrong, there are some banging little ditties in Mario Kart, but the rest of the sounds, it's just kind of like bing, 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 and then hair dryers. It's, you know, we talked about this with Micro Machines. Remember we were going through the reviews of that, where it's like, yeah, those tunes, you think of the menu music from Micro Machines, it's like, oh yeah, that's some of the best music ever. But the actual gameplay itself music is just and that is more or less what mario kart is as well there's just also brilliant sounds that are played throughout they also describe the battle mode as bumper cars which i'm thinking i guess yeah i guess maybe. in a way i mean it's more of a 2d dogfight, but i suppose and as, as an analogy for the average british child bumper cars kind of make sense Although, speaking of dogfights... Starwing, this is the first game to use the Super FX chip. You are the pilot, Fox McCloud, commander of a squadron called the R-Wing. Your mission is to destroy the evil Venom Empire before their ambitious expansion plans can be put into practice. As you can see, the graphics are amazing, and the FX chip allows high-speed action as never seen before. You'll need all of your game-playing skills to lead your team and save your planet. Yeah, the other preview we've got here is Starwing. This is where they really put a modulator on the lad's voice to make him feel more space-like, I guess. And this is here not only because it's, you know, the big release of 1993, they get to put it over the FX chip as well. And boy howdy, does this FX chip bump up the scores for this review here. Graphics 98, sounds 96, gameplay 97, value 96, only... I mean, is that sort of rounding up better or worse than A Link to the Past? I feel like it's better because, you know, you drop down to 94 with sound on A Link mm. to the Past, whereas everything here is 98, 96, 97, 96. These are all very high 90s. And I suppose by comparison to everything else on the snares, the graphics, whilst dated badly now, certainly dated more badly than a lot of the sprite-based stuff as we've discussed in the past, it definitely deserved kind of high scores and plaudits at the time. But again, if we dropped it down 4%, 94, 92, 93, 92, that's about where I expect it to be. But I do want to call some bullshit. The squadron is not called the R-Wing. The ship type is called the R-Wing. The, the, the squadron is Team Star Fox. That's it. It's not Team R-Wing. This is official merch. Ash, I, I don't know what you're expecting from an official Nintendo product. To get things right? I mean, maybe maybe I'm just asking too much. Maybe I'm holding them to too high standards. Maybe the script was also written by Craig Charles. That was part of the contract as well. No, I think Craig would have got it better. He's a professional. <laughs> He'd have done his research. Even if Fashnu stole his awooga, he's still a pro. Battletoads in Battlemania. This is a very amusing beat-em-up with lots of humorous references to other arcade games. Zitz, Rash and Pimple, the Battletoads, have been invited to Tibet to watch a demonstration of a new computer game. 
when one of the images jumps out of the screen and kidnaps the princess. You'll have to play it to find out what happens next. Now, our last one here is a curious one because, you know, the other ones make sense. Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Nintendo. Super Mario Kart, Nintendo. Even Mario All-Stars, Nintendo. Starwick, Nintendo. Battletoads in Battle Maniacs. Yeah, we've got a little rare title that comes up at the end here, and they're talking about it being the, the amusing beat-em-up here with references to other video games, albeit other Battletoads games. But uh, they kind of like give you even a little tease of like, oh, you'll have to play the game to find out what happens in this. It is also, though, the harshest reviewed of all the games that we get here, because it's graphics 90, sound 89, gameplay 88, value 87. Three quarters of those scores are sub 90. It's also the first game featured here that we have not talked about before. I mean, we've talked about Battletoads in general before, but Battletoads in Battle Maniacs, this is the first time it's come up. And this is also actually one of the newer games because it came out in Europe in 1993, October 1993, North America a few months before. Japan would not get it until January 1994. And Brazil would get it even later, where it was ported for the Master System. I love Brazil. I love oh, Brazil, the and they're just like their ability to go, yeah, we can put Street Fighter Alpha 3 on a calculator. It's amazing what some of those programs have been able to drag out of both the Master System and the Mega Drive hardware. It was one of those delightful moments where I went to the Wikipedia page for this and it was like, release for the Super Nintendo and the Master. But I was like, wait, the Master System? Oh, Brazil. Yeah, okay, no, that does make sense now. But this was quite a renaissance time for the Battletoads because it came out around the same time as Battletoads and Double Dragon, which is a game I do know more than this one. I've played Battletoads and Double Dragon. I don't think I've played Battletoads in Battle Maniacs. But I do like the that initial line they've got of, it's a very amusing beat-em-up. Very amusing, very droll. Very, very, uh, very droll. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rhubarb, rhubarb. Well, I think it's about time I beam down to meet the hotliners. Ooh, I hate it when that happens. This is Hotliners headquarters. But what does that mean? Hi. Hi. All right. You're known as a hotliner. What does that mean? Hotliner is someone who has played and completed all NES, Game Boy, and Super Nintendo games, as well as helping the consumer with information on games already out in forthcoming releases. Well, speaking of amusing, we cut back to Craig Charles, who's doing some amusing things of his own, polishing his big N, uh, before he decides to Star Trek his way down to meet some hotliners. And that hotline HQ appears to have the same lighting contractor as Craig's spaceship. <laughs> Which is funny as well, because Gremlin Graphics has the exact same lighting setup as well. Maybe someone, like some kind of feng shui bollocks, just went, you know what your programmers and coders need to be more efficient? What's that? Red and blue lighting. Does it just not make our offices look like the set of Series 5 and 6 Red Dwarf? No. Are you sure this won't age badly? Oh, definitely not. I was going to say, does it not just make it look like the lighting I have for the Monday Night War series I do? I did think that Monday Night War reminded me of Red Dwarf. <laughs> or the Super Mario All-Stars VHS released in 1993. Both are perfectly valid comparisons. In fairness, the, the red and blue lighting does make the office feel less sad. 
I think without that lighting, it might feel quite sad because it is just lots of like, you know, wooden units with boxes and then some desks potted around with Super Nintendos around them. I do imagine the crew turning up to do the filming and the lighting director going, oh, I've got my work cut out here. (laughs) I'm in Portsmouth and I've got to make this look good. This looks like a brutalist office. Everything's grey. Even the consoles are grey. All the TV monitors are grey. Thankfully, we've got Craig Charles here because he can sell you anything. And one of the things I love about Craig Charles is that Craig Charles is a consummate professional. He is an excellent host. He's a very good radio DJ as well because he has got a unique charisma about him. They're like, no one can really emulate what Craig Charles can do when it comes to presenting and his presenting style. But every now and again, the pure scouse just comes out of Craig Charles and it comes out in this segment here. What's, what's this game you're playing now? At the moment, I'm playing Street Fighter 2 Turbo. He's playing Street Fighter 2 Turbo and getting paid for it. It's like he's died and gone to heaven. He's getting paid to play the game. It's like he's died and gone to heaven. I do love as well his way of keeping this guy's attention is to basically lay across the desk <laughs> like a cat and go, no, you're not doing any work now. I want to talk to you about being a hotliner and i'm just gonna use this so i'm gonna tangent off briefly because you talked about him being a dj i've actually been to a craig charles live set um at uh, one of the sci-fi weekenders and i think i've actually still got some video footage i made a little video log of that trip away with a bunch of other podcasters um it was called westbound and up instead of eastbound and down and it was a minibus adventure and it was fucking terrifying at times but he did this bit and i think it's one of his standard bits in live sets where he's playing uh play that funky music by wild cherry and they'd be going through the verse and it would get to and they were dancing and then it would loop back and he'd be like no no not yet and he would <laughs> and he teased us he teased us for like a good two three minutes he was edging the audience and then when it got into play that funky music everyone just went fucking ballistic it was genuinely a guy that knew how to play his audience like a fucking fiddle. And it was great. That is marvellous. He did a DJ set at my friend's university. And my friend still tells the day, like, tells the story to this day of like how funny he thought it was. Because he does go into his little mindscape and he'll just say things like, this is cosmic, as he's playing some tracks in that. Uh, I've, I've never seen him uh, do a set live and in person, but I think I would very much enjoy it. And I think that Craig's, I think Craig's kind of enjoying this as well because he gets to see how special moves are done on Street Fighter 2 Turbo before he heads on over to a guy that's been there for three years and we get our little name drop of Games Master. Yeah, you got some cobwebs on you. How long have you been here? Three years. Three years? Yep. So what's your favourite game at the moment then? My favourite game at the moment must be Star Wing. Star Wing, good game, good game. Bad. Come here. Have you been on Games Master and Games World and all that? I've done my bid. So you're a bit of a megastar there? Well, you know. <laughs> Tell me, let me on the gen. What would I have to do to be a hotliner? Yeah, it's just that kind of sneaky conspiratorial. Yeah, you've been on that Games Master. They're on Channel 4. They've got real money, not like this video. Bit of a superstar. And uh, Craig's not the one of Red Dwarf that gets to go on Games Master either. It's Danny John Jules that gets that accolade later on. But yeah, the chap he's talking to is Mike Barnes, who featured on Games Master. Not the only Nintendo hotliner to feature on Games Master, uh, the writer of an article for Nintendo Life on being a Nintendo hotliner, Keith Pullen, was also on Games Master talking about Street Fighter and Act Razor. 
And helping me out in the commentary box is a street fighting expert, Nintendo Hotline's own Keith Pullen. Uh, welcome, Keith. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Good oh, to be here. God, uh, thank you very much. Now, Keith, we've got Eddie Honda against Ken. What are some of the special moves for people who perhaps don't know the game at home? Okay, E-Honda has a 100-hand slap, right. um, which is a series of very fast punches um, coming in a very short amount of time. And what, what about Ken? What's he Ken, got? Um, he has uh, very um, aggressive low kicks. Okay, we'll look out for those. And, you know, it's kind of cool that these guys got to be part of Games Master. They got to kind of venture out of the office. They got a day trip away from Portsmouth. And I will say, Mike is as charismatic as Craig. In fact, I would argue that next to Craig... Mike is the most charismatic person in this video. Yeah, he because he gets to do a full skit with Craig Charles about like, you know, because they do this thing about like, what would it take for me to become a, a hotliner? And they do this sort of like bit back and forth about like what it, you know you need to do and the synchronicity that you need to do it. And then it cuts forward to Craig now being the hotliner and this lad asking him how to become one. It's not very funny, but... I give them credit. At least they are attempting to try and jazz this up somewhat. I love the little dream sequence they put together with Craig as the hotliner because it's also the fact he is slouched right down into his chair, delivering the lines. But also, he's playing Starwing. He is. And he's not dying. <laughs> he's giving it a good go. He's, he's multitasking, and I'm quite impressed. But I did just want to say, the, they do actually give us some facts about the Nintendo hotline as well on the call volume. 1,400 calls a day, 10,000 calls a week, Half a million a year. It's a whole lot of yak, yak, yak. But also at the same time as they're talking about that, you've got the uh, the kind of like the disclaimer scrolling across the bottom, giving out the phone number and also the things of get the bill payers permission before you call. Caution, you may catch an STD. I don't know why they caution people about catching an STD. Maybe it was a poorly sanitized public payphone. Who knows? But it just genuinely really, really tickled me that instead of saying standard, they just said S dot T dot. Okay, I haven't got the big time edge. I haven't got the total coordination and communication skills you need to make it as a hotliner. I can live with that. Time to review some games. Guide Aladdin and Abu through their quest to defeat the evil Jaffa. This is a Capcom and Disney game that features excellent cinematic graphics, superb sound, and amazing background. There is a password facility and bonus screens. This game will keep you interested forever. Sure to be a hit. Now, bearing in mind as well that, as we learned earlier, if you want to be a hotline, you'll have to complete every NES, SNES, and Game Boy game in order to be able to hand out these uh, hints and tips to poor children who are spending a pound twenty-five a minute just to call and find out how to get through certain dungeons in A Link to the Past. So they should be pretty knowledgeable about these games here. But the problem is they're also not that charismatic. So they add in these very weird editing effects. Now, obviously, this is not going to translate into audio. So I'm just going to, you know, we've got a link to this video uh, in the podcast description. So I recommend people go and check out this section in particular because they will like put a blue filter over some of them. Sometimes it's a green filter. Sometimes it's a pink filter. But they will also like manipulate the footage so it like swings round the screen or it goes very wavy it is every single paint box effect that you would see being used on top of the pops or the title sequence to biker grove it's it's just like every single cheap effect you've got 
to basically cover up for the fact that for the most part, the hotline guys are not into this. I think some of them are better than the guy that does the Nigel Mansell one is very monotone. He's so monotone, he just wants to talk about the tires in the game. Uh, but the lad that talks about Aladdin also gets another name wrong because he says, go with Aladdin to team up with Abu to take on the villainous Jaffa. Mate, it it was the biggest movie of 1992. It's I know we didn't get till 1993, but you've probably seen it by now. No one's looking at that being like Jaffa, mate. Maybe he just really wanted a biscuit or cake. That's what they were distracting. That's how they got them to do it, was by offering them all Jaffa cakes. Oh, go on, mate. Do this for us and I'll give you a Jaffa cake. But we had some new games earlier with scores. Now we get the reviews and no scores. No scores on new ones, no. It's just going to be like Aladdin. It's just going to be a hit. It will yeah. last you forever. You'll be. It'll keep you interested forever. It's a Mario Paint. The only limitation is your imagination. And the storage on the cartridge. Although Mario <laughs> Paint, we have got to talk about a bit in the past. And it is arguably probably the coolest title here purely because, like, was it Homestar Runner? The first episode of Homestar Runner was animated entirely on Mario Paint. And there are still people out there now doing stuff with Mario Paint, not even under emulation, but doing it on original hardware. And it inspired so much. Game developers were inspired by this. They were going to do a sequel for the Nintendo 64. I think we talked about it. And it never came to anything. But when it came to things like Mario Maker, Mario Maker's kind of spiritual forefather was Mario Paint because it was that idea of giving you access to some of the tools and the creativity that Nintendo had. Now, Mario Paint, for the most part, it was actually the musical notes in the music composition, which I always loved. But... You can see from that them then leaping to things like Mario Maker. And they often like kind of referenced it when, particularly when the first Mario Maker came out, the producer was like, we wanted to bring the fun of that, but have you be able to create your own games with the same relative ease? But yeah, I've just confirmed. It was the first episode of Homestar Runner in 1996. It was animated using Mario Paint. 1996. That's amazing as well. And another short later in the series called Strong Bad is a Bad Guy that was also made using Mario Paint. God, the amount of hours put into watching Strong Bad stuff. Bloody hell. Nigel Mansell's World Championship Racing. It's the best simulator available for the Super Nintendo at this time. Get a chance to race all 16 courses around the world. The weather is constantly changing from sunny to cloudy to wet. You get a chance to change your tyres, your aerofoils and your engines in your car. Uh, the speed and graphics on this game is amazing. Basically, play the game and you'll see what I believe. The, the, I mean, the lad who reviews Nigel Mansell, he is so monotone. And it, this is the best simulator for the snares at this time. The game has lots of different weather types. You can... Ch- I was like, he's so fucking boring. He's talking about the tires in this game. Play the game. You'll see what I believe. It's a very weird outline. The reviewer sounds as interested in this game as Nigel Mansell does in anything. Maybe it was a bit. Maybe it was a bit because Nigel Mansell does have that rep as having about as much personality as his own moustache. And I wonder, is was, was he actually that disinterested or was this a bit? Was this kind of like him just going, I'm, I'm going to have a bit of a giggle with this. I'm going to play it all straight poker-faced. I have filmed on location at, you know, in offices or in sort of like supermarkets or things like that. And you do 
you know you want to try and film stuff with the people that work there sometimes you just get kids like this or young adults like this that don't want to do it but they feel like they have to do it and so just don't put any effort into it whatsoever and i've just got always got one eye on when are you going to turn this camera off that is what this reads like i want to go back to playing street fighter 2 turbo yeah i want to try and just help out some kids beat bison if that's all right I'd rather even be playing Plock. <laughs> they love Plock in this video as well. It, it's shown in the intro. We get it here and we get a tip for it later on. Yeah, a cult hero. All right, then. Incredible music, stunning graphics. It'll be number one in the game charts and the music charts as well. Now, Luke, maybe this happened between seasons, but I do not remember us having a number one hit from Plock. No, I, I did go back and check all of my notes. And I don't think it came up at all in our timeline. So this guy's prediction did did prove to be false. In fairness, I think Plock would have been a better number one song than some of the Drek that we've covered. Maybe, but, but not Mr. Talk- Blobby. <laughs> oh God, it would have been so much better than Blobby. But we have talked about Plock quite a bit because it's got a really fascinating history starting out as being a game associated with a developing hardware platform from Rare and then going through a number a number of different iterations and character designs. And at one point, um, Chris Seavey, uh, the, the voice of Frank's, the voice and body of Frank Sidebottom was going to voice the character and bring him to life. Such a, such a weird development cycle and so weird to see them really, really pushing it here. But it does, in a way, sort of makes sense because we had this as, like, we had it a lot in Series 3. Just want to shake my nose. It has three appearances in Series 3, Episodes 12, 14, and 18, because I think we get it as a review, we get it a hint, and we get it as a challenge as well. So clearly, somebody liked this game, or somebody at Games Master liked this game, somebody at Nintendo liked this game, because they thought this was going to be a big hit for them. It's not. The sad thing is, is critically, it was very well received. It just didn't do the sales, and... The makers are like, we don't understand it. We think it was just platformer saturation. And if you look, this game came out in late 1993. Mario All-Stars was out there. We've seen it. It's on this video. Now, would you have three, no, four Mario games on one cartridge or something that sounds like the onomatopoeia for a turd dropping into a toilet bowl? Yeah, it's an unfortunate name. Yes. Go plock, plock. And speaking of unfortunate, whoever captured the footage for the Lost Vikings fucking sucks at this game. Oh, but I do like that we're getting to talk about the Lost Vikings because it's another game from the now Blizzard Entertainment, then a much, much smaller and less morally corrupt Silicon and Synapse, also creators of some other games that we're quite fond of. Rock and Roll Racing. Well, they're in Rock and Roll Racing. One of the lads is in it. Uh, both of them are, actually, I think. I think they're both in there. They also appear in one of the versions of Blackthorn and appeared in a couple of the Clay Fighter games as well. Those Lost Vikings, they got around. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Rock and Roll Racing, See, I never tried it myself then. I was trying to say The Lost Vikings. When I think of The Lost Vikings, outside of I loved this game, it just makes me think of poor Dan Tootle. You have three characters. Each one has its own special abilities. One jumps, one shoots arrows, and one holds his shield above his head. Big deal. Because this is what he reviewed uh, back in Series 2 and wasn't massively keen on it as well, but, you know, I don't think that's what Dan takes away from that review. No, sadly not. But Dan, lovely guy. If you're listening to this, Dan, which I hope you are, hello again. Hello, Dan. This is Bubsy's first adventure on the Super Nintendo called Claws Encounters of the Third Kind. 
On this Bobcat's travels, he has to avoid many pitfalls as well as collecting all the yarn balls that he may encounter. The 16 Meg cart has great music and graphics as well as some of the best speech I've ever seen on the Super Nintendo. And the last uh, review we have here is of uh, Bubsy. Bubsy's Close back here. encounters of the third kind. I've just written my notes here. Whoever captured this footage also sucks at this game. But the, the big the big claim they make in this one, though, is that it, it has, quote, some of the best speech I've seen on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I made the exact same note. And I love that that's that. One, leaving aside seeing speech, maybe he just looks at the waveforms. Maybe he had to develop a prototype cartridge so he could take those chips off and Look at all the code, because he is a Nintendo hotliner. They get special inside information. Mm. And it's Bubsy. You're not going to convince anyone that this is a good game. And the fact that it's included here, alongside other games that are good, is kind of insulting. In a way, yeah. Like I, I like that they say he's a cult hit in America, and he'll do the same in the UK. I mean, they tried to make him a cult hit in America. We, we covered it when we had all the Bubsy stuff back in Series uh, 3. He had a cartoon and everything. He had a big cartoon special to launch this game uh, with good voice, uh, good voice cast in it as well. It's just Bubsy never took off, even though they tried several times over because the lad had multiple games, but he is a proper poster child of bad mascot era of video games. But one highlight of this feature of Bubsy in Claw's Encounter of the Third Kind that I do think deserves recognition is the hotliner selling us this game goes through the entire thing completely straight-faced and sincerely. Best actor, best hands-down best actor in this entire video. Not the most charismatic, but just the best actor. Not only can he show you how to do the bison moves that we saw earlier, it's probably the best of this lot. My friends at Nintendo have placed four Super Mario games on the same cart for less than 50 of your pounds. Super Mario Bros. 1 is pretty tricky. <laughs> Super Mario Bros. 2 is a little more advanced. <laughs> Super Mario Bros. 3 is... But Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels is so difficult, it could actually unhinge the balance of your mind. Aren't you that talentless celebrity women find repellent? See what I mean? He's completely tonto. Mario and Star is an infuriating innovative Nintendo. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, I'm Nigel Mansell. And you know, I'm not the type of guy who buys his family presents that he really wants to himself. That's why I bought my wife Nigel Mansell's World Championship game from Nintendo. You have to choose the right tyres, pit stop, and race against the best drivers in the world. It's just like the real thing, and my wife loves it. Right, darling? Hi, it's uh, very realistic, Nigel. My little girls love it too. Right, twins? Completely true. Hey, even my dog loves it. Right, Fang? Woof. So, there you have it. I think it's a wonderful game, and if your family's anything like mine, they'll love it too. Right, girls? Meanwhile, Craig is always amazed at how they fit all that entertainment into one tiny little cartridge. Yes, even entertainment as massive as Bubsy. And this then leads to... I'm Okay, I love this VHS, but this bit is my favourite bit of the VHS. Not the feature itself, because it does get a bit dry. It's this intro bit here, because we cut to David Martin and James Northern of Gremlin Graphics trying, and it feels like this was the seventh attempt to get them to say the same lines in unison, and they just smeg it up. So, so how, how did we, we get... get- all of that into this. This is your high school young enterprises presentation level stuff. So we decided we wanted to do a racing game and we've got the skills we need to do a racing game. So we then said, let's do a racing game, Mrs. Patterson. <laughs> How with that said, because that's David. He's way better at it than James is. James is heavily edited. Dave's is all in one take. He does repeat his same point over and over again, but it's what he's a one-take wonder. James, on the other hand, requires a lot of cutting. He he does, and yet, for some reason, is also the person chosen <laughs> to take us on the tour of the development studio. And this is very, very broad strokes of how do you make a cake? Well, you get all the ingredients and then you make a cake. That's the level of breakdown we're getting. Actually, no, that's unfair. We're getting a bit more than that. But we do start off as he takes us around the studio and he goes and shows us a programmer. Okay, uh, now we've decided to go ahead and produce the Mansell game. We've actually done all the design work. The next stage is to start the programming. We have the computer, on which the code's being written. The code that we write ends up in that box over there. That box is our version of the uh, Super Nintendo. It's similar to the one you would have at home, except that what it allows us to do is continually change the program that's running. So this is what's in the cartridge. That code there on that screen translates into this on your Super Nintendo. This is actually the original road that's used in the Nigel Mansell game. The game is nowhere near complete, but we have the actual basic road. 
when we were developing the Nigel Mansell game, the road was the most important thing. You've got a smooth and fast road system, particularly with something like a Grand Prix game. To get this far took, took us you know, probably about six or seven months of programming. And he like he he grabs onto the monitors like he's about to yeet them across the room. And he's like, this monitor, this monitor, dragging his hand across it. This is where the code is. And then it goes over here. And you see that road? Do you see that road? <laughs> six fucking months of our life on that road. It doesn't even go anywhere. We haven't even put a car on it yet. Where does it go? We don't know. That will take us another six months to work out where this road goes. But according to James, as he very expertly tells us, the road is the most important bit of the game, Ash. That's the bit they're super proud of. In fairness to them as well, it looks very good. It's a it's a nice looking road. It's probably the best road we've ever seen. <laughs> Feature some of the best roads you've seen in your life. I do want to say that I, I'm going to need to go back and play this game because this game looks way faster than I remember it being on this videotape. Uh, yeah, well, it may be one of those. It, it runs faster when you're developing it, and then... And you, you speed know. it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, six months to make a road. Sounds like Croydon Council. <laughs> but then, you know, you've got to draw the graphics. And James is very proud of the detail that's onto these graphics, because originally it was eight frames, then they doubled up to 16. Ash, they've even got to the detail of all of the sponsors for the realism and 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 probably the money as well. Yeah, but no cigarettes. No, no, no not cigarette. those ones, no, no, no. No Marlboro on this one. I, I will say the sprites do look lovely and the, um, the, the horizoning, the kind of like the moving further away from the camera and back, 16 frames, looks very smooth, looks very nice. That combined with that road, that road that took them six months, Luke, that six-month road, it it's not... The game is better looking than it deserves to be. It is also worth mentioning that whilst it is sold to us as Nigel Mansell's Grand Prix and they were through this whole of like, well, we needed to find someone that was going to be a fitting partner, a, sit a fitting sponsor. And uh, Nigel Mansell's a games player, which came as f***ing news to me. And apparently he's got a Game Boy. I just see him as a sort of civilization player. I bet he likes civilization. Or he has got a Game Boy and he has Tetris. And, that and is, he only it, plays it on the lowest level because otherwise it's just too fast for him. Exactly. And it's just he plays it for 20 minutes or so when he is on a trip to the next F1 thing he's doing. But the customization of the car, it looks pretty cool. You know, it, it's it's nice to see that level of customization in a 1993 game. Oh, but Ash, guess what? What's that? Well, we haven't had a... Well, I got the, I've, actually, I feel like I've stolen some thunder. I really should have just let you do this. This is your shtick. Oh, you mean the fact that there was going to be a port? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually a bit... It's quite wonderfully nostalgic, this part of the uh, the episode. Yeah, we don't get to do the guess what, what's that that often. Because, yeah, there was meant to be a version for the Atari Jaguar. Yeah, announced, slated for release, 1995. But for... <laughs> I like this for unknown reasons it did not get released but a fascinating little line i was just reading this here you know safe for release on the entire jaguar never came out for unknown reasons a commodore 64 version was also in development and was said to look promising but was cancelled for taking too long they took nine months to do a road i love the fact that it sounds like the commodore 64 version was closer to being released than the atari <laughs> jaguar 
Yeah, there's no review of the Atari Jaguar one, but apparently the Commodore 64 one was looking promising. Whilst the rest of the team were working on the programming and finishing off the graphics for our game, here in the studio, Pat's working on the music and sound effects. Could we have a listen to some of the music, please, Pat? Certainly. Once I've composed the music, it's built up of tracks similar to this. OK, could we listen to a sound effect now, please, Pat? In an effort to create as much realism as possible, we asked Renault to record the engine sound from the actual F1 car itself. And this is the sound effect that we use within the game. But graphics alone cannot sell a game. We need some sound as well. And we go and see Pat Falan, who's in charge of that sound. And I will be on, you know, hands down, that synth bass that we oh, hear, the slap lovely, bass. Isn't it? Oh, that's got some that's got some meat to it. The car noises sound pretty good as well. They actually went and sampled a real car noise. No more of this Mario Kart e noise. No, it sounds right. And yeah, when he does that little bass line, it's proper funky. It's a very, very nice little tune. Pat Falan is also still in gaming, or at least he appears to be. I actually went and looked at some of his game credits. He did a whole bunch of Doctor Who games that came out in 2010. They were the ones wow. you could download from the BBC website for free. And they were okay. <laughs> they were okay. Put it this way, they were worth exactly what I paid for them. <laughs> but was the music nice? Um, I can't remember, but that's okay, because he wasn't in charge of music for that. He was the exec producer. I see. But other things he was in charge of the music for included Zool, Redimensioned. Oh, wait, no. He did actually do the sound. I've just scrolled down to his audio credits. He did do all the Doctor Who games in the audio, so they sounded great. <laughs> uh, he also did the one of the versions of Micro Machines. I'm seeing Judge Dredd here, probably for the PlayStation. He did Loaded, definitely for the PlayStation. I mean, that, that Micro Machines soundtrack as well is pretty spectacular. Yeah, that was the, uh, the 2002 Micro Machines. Oh, okay. Yeah, but also did the original music for Zool and Zool 2. He did more than just um, Nigel Mansell in the world of racing. He did Lotus, The Ultimate Challenge, Top Gear 2. Yeah, quite um, quite, quite the storied little career there and still going. As I say, Zool Redimensioned in 2021 and Spider in 2020. So yeah, good to see still out there. And oh, Team Sonic Racing too. Oh, really now? Yeah, there we go. I do feel like this is probably the, the best part of it because we do get that funky bass line. But, but I, only because when we get to the next bit and they're talking about how you test the game, and again, it's doing more of that, kind of what Craig Charles was doing earlier. And we saw this a lot during this period of time of what these people get to play games for a living. Could you imagine playing games for a job? And, you know, they do some of that here because these they've got a team of players who just that's their job is to play this game non-stop and the only thing that bugs me about this is he wants he, he shows us how the chips plug into the board but then never shows us the fucking board and i'm like no that's the bit i want to see he's just doing it all off camera those little chip programmers are really really cool it's so cool that you basically did just have that prototype board and you could go bloop dump the code down there took a bit longer than they showed it being there but then yeah, you just had that prototype game. And remember, we saw them on Bad Influence. Yeah, that's it, yeah. We saw that wet board wobbling out wobbling of the top of a Mega oh, Drive. Oh, that was way up for Streets Rage 2 all over the show. But that's it. That, and again, we see the game and it is moving crazy fast. But that is how we get all that excitement into a cartridge. And then after that making of feature, Luke, guess what? What's that? 
we get the review scores. <laughs> we do indeed. And the fuck? for all of, out of bizarrely at the end of this feature, and for all those six to seven months making a road, they only get 90% for the graphics. For all of the effort that Pat went through with Renault, 87. But 92 for gameplay, 93 for value. That is the most realistic scoring we've had this entire video. And it wasn't for a review. It was for a game they showed the making of. But that's okay, because Craig is here to beckon us over like someone trying to sell us crack down the back alleys of Camden. Hey, come here. This is between me and you, right? What I want to know is, how can you cheat at some of the games? Don't breathe a word. Super Mario All-Stars. On the Lost Levels, World 1, Level 1, if you want to get some extra lives, this is what you have to do. Go to the first set of blocks and bash the second block to uncover the hidden mushroom. Bounce it with your head over the end block, leaving the Koopa inside. Grab the mushroom, being very careful not to scroll the screen past the row of blocks. Now break the first block and the third block and leave the Koopa patrolling on the fourth. Jump through the gap you've made and remove the three blocks from above your head. Now carefully make a small jump onto the Koopa. Mario should bounce on and off, eventually clocking up one-ups. Leave it to carry on until the time runs out and you'll have 128 lives. Because he wants to do his own version of the consultation zone here. But where he sells you crack. <laughs> the crack-saltation zone. <laughs> That's what we're going to become after we're done with Series 7. <laughs> Under crack-saltation. Everyone keeps saying, what are you doing? That's it. Crack. <laughs> we're doing crack. Yeah, we have a section of hints, tips, and not so much cheats. It's more just sort of hints and tips. Um, I mean, you know, bearing in mind as well, you might have forgotten because we've been talking for this long. This is supposed to be a Super Mario Brothers All-Stars VHS promotional thing. So finally, we get back to some Super Mario Brothers All-Stars stuff uh, with some hints on Mario Brothers are Lost Levels, World 1-1 and 3-4, then jumping over to Mario 2 World 1-3 and then to Mario 3 World 1-3, that white block trick to get the warp whistle. But the I think actually the, the Lost Level one we kick off with, that 1-1, is a great little little hint. It's quite a tricky one to pull off, but once you've got it, you've got it. And the idea is you essentially trap a Cooper on a one-block cycle, and then you just jump on the Cooper and manage to do it at such an angle that the bounce is self-sustaining, and those bounces will then give you extra lives after a little while. And you just let the clock run down, and as they say, it gives you like 120 extra lives. It is a really, really cool... I will call that a cheat. Yeah. Because it's a cheat or an exploit. Uh, the second Lost Levels one is, yeah, you want to know how to get out of this level? It's a fair question. It's hard. <laughs> At least this one puts sound bits in because there weren't originally sound cues in there to help you out. And then Mario Brothers 3, World 1, Level 3, probably the it's the easiest warp whistle to get. You duck down behind a piece of scenery... You go to Toad's house and you toot on his whistle. Job done. The, jobs, jobs are good. And Chris Scullion in his commentary, like when this comes up, he has a bit of a giggle. He's like, yeah, this is the one that everybody talked about on the schoolyards. Like this is the one everyone talked about on, you know, on the playground and stuff. Or if you heard about how to get a warp whistle on Mario 3. Because it's just, it, I feel this is a bit of an iconic job. I feel, I feel like we even had this in the consultation zone. I'm fairly certain it was in one of them. It's actually odd. It's been so long. We've had... Have we now had more episodes without the consultation zone than with? 
We, it, that can't be because we had 28 episodes of series two oh, and 28 no, episodes true. of series three. Yeah. It feels like it though. It does feel like, it feels like ages since we've done a consultation zone. Oh, may, maybe one day we will do our own. <laughs> and then who should show up again? It's the sound of a turd dropping into a toilet bowl. It's Plock. When you get to level three of Plock, go to nearly the end of the level and look out for the arrow pointing downwards. Jump down and shoot the plum in the tree three times. This will take you to a bonus stage. You now have to beat the timer in this bonus stage to get warped to the end of the island. Now, is it just me? They're talking about, you know, you shoot the plum from the tree and then it takes you to a bonus stage. But does that tree not just look like a bum and legs? It does a lot. And also, there is some innuendo in this video we've got here about shooting someone's in the plums... We had going into subspace. There's 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 some stuff. There's some jokes in here that maybe weren't meant to be here. But you shoot a plum, you get to go to a secret karting bonus stage. You beat the timer, and you warp to the end of the island. Hey, not bad. Also, there's a bum in it, and bums go plock. There we go. It it, it all connects. It all <laughs> it's all connected, Luke. Bums go plock plock. But you know what else will help you cheat at a game? To get the best out of your games, you should try your hand with the Scoremaster. Designed for use on the desktop, the arcade-style Scoremaster has a responsive eight-way joystick with six buttons. These are oversized for ease of use and have an auto-fire switch for each button. The Scoremaster also features a slow-motion operation with two speeds. So whether it's quick-quick or slow-slow, the Scoremaster will put an extra kick into your game. Oh, this is a seamless transition here. The rest of them have very much just been like, here's the Mario story, now here's the hotline thing, here's some reviews, here's this. This bit is actually a seamless of just like, oh, and hey, if you're looking to do some hints and tips and stuff, go and get yourself the Scoremaster arcade stick. It's got auto-fire and slow-mo. Admittedly, slow-mo is just us spamming the start button automatically for you. Because I always remember reading about slow-mo on these joypads and joysticks, and the first time I got one that had slow-mo, I thought it was a proper f***ing jip, because all it did was it meant the pause words kept flashing up on the screen really, really quickly, and you couldn't actually do f*** all. They very smartly use Battletoads as the footage here, because that doesn't have a pause icon in the middle of the screen, so it legit looks like they've just slowed down the game using the Scoremaster. But I will say the Scoremaster is a pretty, pretty good joystick, unlike what follows it. There is also a great accessory known as the Nintendo Scope. This is an amazing piece of gear, which is an infrared firing machine, laser accurate to one television pixel. There are some great games specially designed for this ballistic bazooka, like Battle Clash and Yoshi Safari. Why not get one for your shoulder and start blasting? We haven't had a lot of the Super Scope under, under consultation because we only got it in one challenge. Was it just one challenge? Yeah, I think it was just one challenge in Series 2. But, uh, you know, it, it's a fun little bit of kit because it's massive and quite cack. I mean, I will say, you say we've not had a lot of the Super Scope. There isn't much of the Super Scope to have. It was only really compatible with a dozen games. Yeah, and they mentioned some of those here because they've got Yoshi Safari and uh, Battle Crash to talk about. That was actually pretty cool to see Yoshi's Safari. That was a kind of case of, ooh, oh, that's a bit different. That's a bit fun. But ah, I've just, I've just had a quick check. We had two challenges on the Super Scope. A uh, bit of a blast from the past. Series 2, episode 20. Gordon Burns from the Krypton Factor played Blastris using the Super Scope. 
Oh my god, I remember. Wow, yeah, that's a that's a thing. I mean, it, the super scope is something I would absolutely own nowadays if if I had space for the Sony twenty eight inch CRT I've currently got in storage. Right, like I've got a fully working Sony Trinitron twenty eight inch TV, and I've got nowhere to put it. <laughs> I couldn't. Even, I did briefly consider using it for a challenge at UCP Live 2.0, and I just looked at it and I'm like, I can't fit anything else on the stage. <laughs> it takes up too much space. I hate to tell you, thrill seekers, but it's time for me to go. Have fun on your Super Nintendo. And this may sound strange, but I'll be back. Hasta la vista, baby. And that brings us to basically the end of this video because Craig Charles is having a lot of fun with his Super Scope and yeah, he seems to be very much enjoying himself on that Super Nintendo. And then, as odd as it sounds, he just says, I'll be back. Hasta, Hasta la, vista, la vista, baby. I, I guess it was the style at the time. And then his red end ship crashes into a planet. The It's cold outside. That would have been better. There are no credits. We just get a Nintendo logo and then a kind of, that's it. I was getting ready. I had my fingers all prepped on the keyboard to note down the names of the directors, the camera people, and do some research, but nope, nothing. This is it. This is what we get. Hilariously, this does have an IMDb page, but the only people it credits to it are Craig Charles and Nigel Mansell. As mentioned, Nigel Mansell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's not even in this. Fuck sake. <laughs> okay. This is, you're right, this is a fun video though, and you talked earlier about how this is right at the end of this kind of promo video. Because as soon as we get into the PlayStation and Saturn era, we've got demo discs. Yeah. It's not even that the videos are done in a less interesting way or without a framing device. They don't need the videos because it's like, well, we don't need to show you Wipeout on a video. We can give you either a rolling or a playable demo. And that's good for consumers, but it does mean that an art form was lost. Yeah, very much so. And I, I when we did the Donkey Kong Country one, and I, I found like a bunch of other people who've like archived old promo VHS and stuff. Like there's a really fascinating Game Gear one that was done in conjunction with a hotel that I'd, I, I would love to go through because it's quite irritating. Um, it was made by Sega. So of course it's irritating. But like these... And I thought, oh, we'll get to do more of these when we get to the PlayStation and Saturn era. But you're right. They didn't need to make them. So there's, it's, it, it is a lost art form. And I appreciate the efforts that goes into things like this. Yes, they have all dated quite horribly. This one is dated poorly. The Donkey Kong Country one is dated poorly. But that's also part of their charm. Is And actually, what I like about this one more than the Donkey Kong Country one is this has got a unique Britishness about it. The Donkey Kong one was very American. This is very, very monotone, grey and British. And, and I, when I say grey, apart from the blue and lights, uh, blue and red lights that were set up. I like this. This is a lot of fun. It's great to see Craig Charles doing something. It's great to have this fun little side quest. I think I prefer the Donkey Kong Country video, purely because I actually felt like I learned something from the yeah. Donkey Kong oh, Country yeah. video. Oh, there's nothing to be learned from this video. No, no, this is like, this is actually on par with a good chunk of the gore special. <laughs> in a way, yeah, I suppose you're right. I do just remember that moment sat in the venue, we will have just actually been sat in again, where we sat there and we're just like, hang on, this is just a PR video for Atari. 
Yeah. Just that thing of like, this entire thing is basically, this is paid for by the Atari Jaguar. Teehee. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. Next week will be UCP Live 2.0, where Ash and I will be covering our favorite challenges across series one through seven. Um, obviously, some of the seven ones we'll cover in a bit more detail when we actually hit them in our timeline. Uh, but we will have a nice little trip down nostalgia lane. And I very much enjoyed re-watching some of these old challenges from the first three series in particular um uh, and then the week after that will be the series six episode and the week after that will be the series six wrap-up episode so if you want to get your feedback in now's the time to be doing it feedback at underconsultation.com let us know what you made of series six your favorite challenges least favorite challenges favorite celebrities moments all that all that good stuff or your least favorite moments and all that sort of stuff so let us know because we'll be reading those out when we hit that in our timeline you can also get in touch with us on social media on twitter at under console pod and on instagram at under console and if you want to interact with us in real time talk with others about your series six thoughts queries and quibbles you can do so over on our discord details of which can be found on our social media and in the show notes and if you want to support this podcast monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod, where at the five pound level, you will get next week's episode one week early and ad free. But at the 10 pound level, you get a little bit extra. Ash, what do they get? At the 10 pound level, they get our glittery golden joystick wagglers, Patreon pack mug thing stuffed with sweeties, stickers, retro trading cards, badges. And we take it, we box it up, we stick it in a pod with Jeff Goldblum and a fly. We That then goes through the teleportation. It comes out the other side as a glittery brundle fly, and he'll appear at the door and vomit in your face. And a shout out to those £10 backers. Xanderthal William, Tom the Amazing Cliff, Super Sexy David Fisher, Simon, Selena, Sean, Richard, Reese, Retro Fun for Everyone, Nick, Misha, Matty Boo, Mark, Link, Kevin, Joe, Jamie, Ian, I Am Cheadle, Harriet, Manga Girl, Gordon Dempster, Gordon Brandt, David, White, I've been saying right this whole time, but it's actually David White, David Palmer, Chrissy Two Sticks, Chris Price, Arcadia Wild Bill, Andrew, Adam, and Andy. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you in seven days' time. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.